The following audio is from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going through our Heroes of Faith series here in the summer, and you remember our kind of our, our theme verse that we've been looking at, Hebrews chapter 12, where the, the writer says, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so many great examples of faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Since we have so many great examples in the scriptures about those men and women who walked and ran their race of faith, let us also run our race, only our eyes are fixed now on Jesus. I'm going to be looking tonight at um, a woman named Hannah. Many of you know her story. She was the mother to Samuel. Samuel is listed as one of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But I think it's very important to understand that so much of Samuel's journey of faith really began in the heart of his mother, Hannah, in her journey. And that's why I think the scripture gives us chapter 1 of 1 Samuel to show us just how God was working, preparing Hannah's heart in order for a Samuel to be born and come to the nation of Israel at a very critical time in their history to become the great judge and prophet that he was able to become by the grace of God. The setting of uh, 1 Samuel, it's just kind of finishing up that time of the judges. The nation of Israel is in their land. There's no kingdom yet. There's not, there's not been a king of Israel. They've just been ruled by judges. And as you know, they've had this pattern of falling away from the Lord, coming back to the Lord, and, and it's been back and forth. But now God is getting ready to do a new work in the nation, a new season. He's getting ready to bring in his kingdom. This is the beginning of what would become known as the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah. But it begins first with a Samuel who would come as a prophet and would anoint the first king, Saul, the second king, David. Samuel is the one that would ultimately anoint these first kings. But to give you an idea of what was going on in the nation at that time, the very last verse in the book of Judges, chapter 21-25, says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So it was a time when the nation was losing their way spiritually. A time when there needed to be a, a return to God, a return to his law, a return to his word. And so God is getting ready to bring up a man by the name of Samuel who would bring that nation back to the Lord and then ultimately usher in the kings, the early kings of Israel. And before God works in a time, of, in a season, he looks for hearts that he can work with. God works through men, through women. God works through people. God doesn't send angels to come and straighten things out amongst his people. He looks for a heart. He looks for someone that he can use uh, to bring his truth into their generation. And the scripture says in 2 Chronicles 16.9 that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. 
God is always looking for hearts that are towards him. God is always searching for the hearts that are looking to him, loyal to him, open to him, available to him. You remember the the prophet Isaiah. He heard a voice in heaven. Who will go for us? Who can we send? God is always looking to use, always looking to send, always looking to minister. God wants to, to work in the lives of men. God wants to work even in our time. God wants to, sh- to spread the gospel, even in tragic times. I, I, I imagine Houston and all the tragedy that we know and we see on the news, and yet we hear of these churches now that are raising up and sending out teams. Some of the teams they're sending out are just people to go out and share Jesus, just to go out and give the word of truth in a time of tragedy, and people are coming to faith. God wants to work. God is always looking to work. God is mighty to save. He's interested in our lives. He's interested in mankind, his creation. He's looking for relationship with us, and he's looking for hearts that are available to him where he can be strong and do his work. But often what the Lord must do before he can use a life is he has to prepare the heart. And as we see, and I think you can kind of get the theme of this as we've been looking at these heroes of faith throughout the summer, it seems in every case, it's always in the midst of some difficulty, some tragedy, some, some strain of faith that's required. God is looking to work, and some, some of his best work comes in times of difficult season. And God uses that difficulty to really prepare the heart, to to shape the clay into a vessel that is useful to him. And so it's true here in Hannah. God is wanting to raise up a man named Samuel, but before Samuel is born, God is first working in the heart of his mother, a woman named Hannah. Look with me here, chapter 1, the first eight verses, we see the Lord's preparation. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons Eli, Hophni, excuse me, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? A typical man, not really understanding a woman's heart, okay? That's not the right thing to say. No, you're not better than ten sons, but he loved her. He was trying to encourage her. But Elkanah, 
He's a godly man. Uh, it says he was an Ephraimite. That's because he lived in the mountains of Ephraim. But First Chronicles lets us know, it goes back a little farther in his lineage, he was actually of the tribe of Levi. He was a godly man. He loved the Lord. And most likely, the reason he had two wives was because he first married Hannah. And because she was barren, he took a second wife in order to preserve his family's lineage. But you can see that his heart is still with Hannah. But Hannah is miserable. Uh, she's not able to have children. And of course, in her time, this was really something of a shame upon her during her day. And not only that, but Elkanah's other wife, who was very fruitful, sons and daughters, she provoked her, it says, severely. So she really made Hannah feel even worse about her situation. And it must have been a confusing time for Hannah. You can imagine this, that the Lord had closed her womb. She was not able to have children. And it says that they went years, every year they would go up for this time of offering. It's supposed to be a time of celebration, a time of coming and fellowshipping with the Lord. They would make their offerings unto the Lord. There was a meal offering. It was the idea of fellowshipping, having a, a meal with the Lord and an annual celebration of his goodness and his blessing. And for Hannah, every year that she went up without a child, this time of celebration, this time of thanking the Lord for the bounty and the blessing and his favor was just a reminder of her, poor, her terrible situation. And Penina, the, the other wife, was making her even more miserable, just flaunting it in her face. So this is a very, very discouraged woman. And yet it seems that the Lord uses this life circumstance to prepare her heart for his purpose in her life. And there's a lesson there for us all tonight. God uses life circumstances to prepare our heart for his purpose. There are things we don't understand because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what the Lord has mapped out for the future, but he does. And he knows what he's doing today to prepare your heart, your life, your faith, your relationship for what he's going to do in the future. So, so difficult for us to weather a difficult time now it would be so much better, easier for us, really, if we understood the, the blessing that it would bring in the time of future. That it would be actually, there would be a, a time where we would be thankful for this season because it so prepared us for what the Lord was bringing next. And this is where faith has to find its mark. This is where faith has to walk through the difficult season. You have to believe that God does have something prepared for you and that in some way he will use even this miserable moment as Hannah was experience, experiencing to bring something good because God is good and God has a future and a hope for his people. His thoughts towards us are not evil. Thoughts of blessing, thoughts of hope, and God wants to use our life and even the difficult seasons of our life, the difficult trials and challenges, God is working to prepare his, his work for us in the future. No one could comfort her. Her husband tried. And maybe you can relate to that. You know, there are some burdens, there are some trials, there are some 
wounds, hurts, longings that are so deep in our soul. Really, no one can comfort us. No one can truly change that burden, that aching. Can you imagine Hannah? She wanted to be a mother. She wanted to have children. This was her life ambition to have family. This is a longing of her heart. It's a good desire. She didn't want something wrong or bad or evil. It was a longing that she believed God had put in her heart. The scripture says that God is the one that gives us the desires of our heart. God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You have this longing and it's not coming to pass and you're just aching inside and really nothing can comfort. No one can touch you there. It's something that really only the Lord can truly understand and minister to. I'm sure many of you can relate to this. You know, I I became a Christian as a teenager, just a rebellious teen, 15 years old, came to faith in Christ. And I can remember just at the very beginning when I first came to the Lord with that work that he did in my life in salvation, he also dropped some things into my heart. I mean, I was a teenager. I didn't understand it all. I knew nothing about the Christian life, the Christian walk. I knew nothing about ministry, pastoring. All of this was like, I I had no concept of these things. And yet, I had this deep kind of knowing in my heart that God wanted to use my life in ministry in some way. And this is before I even knew what ministry was, and yet there was this something of God that was put deep into my soul. Well, I grew up, of course, you know, in a normal kind of middle-class home, but I grew up in a family business. My dad had a business, and me and my brothers ended up, you know, working together in the, mentor, in the business. And I had a great interest in business. It was something of our family uh, kind of path, and you know, eventually I I just kind of put the ministry ideas aside. I wasn't really sure how those worked into into the career path that I was pursuing. And yet somehow I knew that, Lord, I know that there's ministry. And I thought, well, maybe somehow you know, this business will help me in in ministry. I wasn't sure, but I just kind of let those things kind of stay down there. I thought maybe eventually they would come, but you know how it is. Life goes on. You get distracted. You get preoccupied and, you know, and get entangled and you have some ups and downs. And I I finally just kind of gave up on the ministry ideas. I've shared some of this with you. But I know that the Lord had not given up on those things he'd put in my heart. And the Lord, it took work of God in my life to prepare my heart for what would ultimately become pastoral ministry. And some of, those, some of that work, some of those things that, I, that the Lord brought me through were extremely difficult. I've shared this with you, and I won't go into all the details tonight, but, you know, my wife went through a really difficult health season in her life a life-threatening kind of a, of a season. And it was a two-year valley. And it was a terrible time. Our kids were all in the home, young still, and it was just really rocked our whole family. She's well tonight by the grace of God. She's in perfect health. She's way healthier than me and a lot, a lot more energy than, you know, you and me and all of us put together. So God's restored her. But you know what? I'll tell you, that was something that I didn't understand that was something that we didn't really know how to handle, but the Lord used it to begin to shape our hearts. What it did was it reordered all my priorities. 
God used that trial to just kind of reset everything that I was thinking about my life and where I was going and what we would be doing. I realized that, that there was something much more important than some of the things that I was focused on. God will do that sometimes. He'll take you through a circumstance to shape your heart, to get it ready for what he wants to do in your life. This is what was happening in Hannah. This is what's, I know, even in my own life. And God eventually began to use these trials, these troubles, to awaken and kind of rebirth that deep longing to serve the Lord in a new way, in a ministry way. Nothing wrong with serving the Lord in business. I had a, a, a you know, a, a blessed business opportunity, and God did bless my family, and, and I know the Lord used that. It was part of his plan for me, but I also know that God had something else that he was trying to birth, and through these trials, through these circumstances, God was getting my heart ready, and when I finally began to really sense that, God, I, my life, I need to be more intentional about ministry. Then I began to long for it in such a deep way that I really was kind of a burden because I didn't know how to make it happen. I didn't know how to transition from where I was into what I felt God kind of calling me towards. And then this longing and waiting and praying and crying out to God. Well, this is what happens in Hannah's life. This burden of heart becomes not only the preparation, but it births prayer in her life. Look with me, verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. They're up at the temple, they're, they're or at the tabernacle, and they're worshiping. It's that annual trek to the tabernacle. Verse 10, and Speaking of Hannah, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, he was the high priest, watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 14, so Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you sensitive minister and priest that he was. <laughs> Verse 15, but Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. This is a beautiful lesson for us when those deep, deep 
bitterness of soul times come upon us. She took that depth of despair and she turned it into prayer. She turned it into pouring her heart out to God and weeping and just, just bitterness of soul. So often when we come to that place of bitterness of soul, and you've all, you all can have your bitterness of soul moment that you can reflect on. Oftentimes, those are the, we, we despair in our relationship with the Lord. We, we, we turn away from God because we imagine that, you know, he's not, He doesn't care about us. He's not working in the situation that we so desperately need His help in. Or it's not coming in the time that we had imagined or hoped. And he's not fulfilling the promise that we were so sure that he would one day do. And now, look, time is going by, and I'm still not there. And so these are the times when we're tempted to give up faith. These are the times we're tempted to just, you know, just throw it in. Oh, well, it's just not going to happen. God's not going to work it out. But Hannah, instead, she turns this into a pouring out her soul to the Lord. She wept in anguish. You, you've, maybe you've had those moments with the Lord where you just pour your heart out and it comes out in tears. It comes out in anguish. It comes out in almost just, a, you just feel the depths of your heart, your soul being put out before the Lord. Those are not easy times, but I want to su- suggest to you that those can be very good times. Better to take that depth of anguish and pour it out to a God who knows and loves and understands. He can handle it. He's not intimidated by our despair. In fact, he wants us to pour our heart to him. And in this time of anguish and prayer, she makes this vow. Lord, if you would just do this, I would dedicate this this son's life to you. And it may be that this is the very thing that God was crafting in her heart. Hannah, I don't want you just to have another son and a daughter and children like the others in Israel. I'm looking for a Samuel. I'm looking to raise up a young man whose mother will know beyond shadow of doubt that he is from the Lord and that you will offer him back to the Lord. With all your life, with all your heart, you will raise this son to know me and to serve me. That was a rarity in the nation at this time. Nobody was serving the Lord. It says they were all doing what seemed right in their own eyes. God is trying to bring up a prophet. God is trying to birth uh, someone who will bring God's word back into the life and heart of a nation. And he begins to work in this woman's heart. She's not making a deal with him. This is not her bartering with the Lord. This is her fully surrendering this thing to God. God, this, if I get a son, it's, he's yours. I can't, I haven't had one, but if you would miraculously give, give me one, he will be completely yours. Well, Eli, he sees all this going on. And you can just imagine, she's over there praying and crying and no sound. And he's thinking, this woman is just out of her mind, drunk. So he goes over to kind of shape her up, but she shares her heart. And in this, and in this moment, Eli understands, this woman is truly praying out her soul. And he says, go in peace. May the Lord grant you your petition. And that word from the priest. Now, if you know the story of Eli, he was not the model priest. 
But in that moment, his joining of faith with hers became an encouragement to her. She needed, that was like a word from the Lord. She's crying it out. And then the priest comes and says, may the Lord grant you this promise. I join you in prayer. My faith is with yours. I pray that God will answer this prayer for you. And that seems to like just set her heart at ease. It says she gets up, she eats, she's no longer sad. You know, there are, there are some things that you just have to pray through. And you won't have that peace. You won't have that relief. You won't have that sense of, of confidence until you have poured it out to the Lord. You know, I told you that there was a season there where I was longing for ministry, but I was, I was in fully immersed in, in a business career. And I can remember moments where I was just, I remember walking into my bedroom one, one morning after, you know, just watching a little worship video in my living room. And it just so struck me that I had to turn it off. I walked into my bedroom, I fell down on my face, and I just wept. I mean, like a, like a child in his crib. I just cried before the Lord. I didn't know. I just was so moved. I was so stirred. I remember there were times in, in, during the work day. My family, we were, pre, we were in a motorhome RV rental business. And, you know, when the wintertime, all the RVs come home. They go out on the summer, but they come home. And we had acres of just hundreds and hundreds of RVs. So you could go out there and literally you could get lost out in the forest of RVs. And I used to walk out there on break and just pray. And I remember just being out there in the middle of these RVs, you know, they're all 16 feet high, and just looking up and saying, God, (laughs) crying out to the Lord, Lord, why have you put this desire in my heart to serve you in ministry? Look, Lord, here I am amongst the RVs. You know I can't get out. You know there's no way for me to make any of this happen. This was my story, okay? But you all have your forest of impossibilities, right? And, and I can just relate to that, that anguish, that crying out to the Lord. And I would encourage you to, tonight, if you're going through something deep down in your soul, have you poured it out to the Lord? Have you really poured your soul out to Him? And not in accusation, not in some complaining, but just pouring your heart out, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to follow you in this deep longing of my heart. I want this good thing that I believe you have placed as a desire in my heart. Hannah wasn't looking for something selfish. She was looking for what she believed was God's promise and fulfillment in her life. And so sometimes you need to just meet the Lord in those times of surrendered prayer. And you surrender your future to the Lord. God, this is what I have. This is, I I have no way to accomplish this. But I say to you today, Lord, it's your, my future is in your hands. This is what I long for. I'm asking you to do it. God, my heart is yours. However you want to do it, however you would accomplish this, the only way is by your grace and your working in my life. Hannah surrendered that. I think it's a good model for prayer and perseverance. Well, the promise comes. Look with me in verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. 
And so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, heard of the Lord, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. She named her son, we could say it this way, answered prayer. Your, your name, son, is going to be answered prayer, heard of the Lord. Verse 21, now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. So time goes by, time to go back to worship. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. I'm going to raise him, I'm going to get him up of a young enough age to where he can go and be a servant in the house of the Lord. Verse 23, so Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the, the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. Remember the one you thought was drunk? Here I am. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Chapter 2 goes on to tell of her song of praise and worship that she offered at this season. We know the future of Hannah is still bright. This, this would be just merely the beginning of her, the opening of her womb. She would have sons and daughters on from Samuel. Samuel was merely the firstborn. She dedicates him to the Lord just as she promised she calls him heard of God, answered prayer, and presents him and lends him to the Lord. Lord, you've given him to me. I'm giving him back to you as I promised. And so we often use this as our passage when we dedicate our children to the Lord. We have those dedication services on Sunday mornings when parents want to dedicate their children and this is the picture that we're, we often reflect on. In the same way that, that Hannah knew that this son was from the Lord, so she gave him back to the Lord, as if to say, Lord, whatever your purpose is for this one's life. Parents have all kinds of plans for their children. But the best plan for a parent is to say, Lord, what is your plan? I give, I dedicate my family, my household to raise this child, to know you, and to serve you. She gives him to the Lord, and it's really this time of blessing and time of celebration. Samuel. Samuel would grow up in service to the Lord. Samuel would become a great leader in the nation. Samuel would become really a pivotal leader Bringing the transitioning the nation out of this cycle of backsliding into a time when they would be led by kings that God would call and place on the throne Saul, David, and the kings of Israel. 
God is ultimately looking to accomplish his purpose through our lives. Hannah's situation was not coincidence, not just a trial. It was that, but it was a trial that God was using to prepare her to prepare Samuel to bless his nation. God wants to work. God wants to use our lives for purposes greater than our own design. God wants to use us in a way that he would be glorified. It's not just, as we've talked about before, inviting God to our story. God has invited us to his story. And that requires a, a shaping of the clay. That requires a refining of our, of our life, of our heart, a, a, a maturing, a perfecting of our faith. And God is at work to bring all things together for good. My day would finally come in ministry. There would come a day and a long season of ups and downs and too long a story to share tonight, but eventually that day would come when I would step down from the family business with my dad and brother's blessing, worked it all out. God did some beautiful, miraculous things to bring it to pass. And I would then begin to, to pursue ministry. I can remember the night our church in La Mirada laid their hands on us and sent my wife and I and a few others to come up and start a work here in Monrovia. It would be about, it's almost 12 years ago to the day. It was a 9-11. It was the first Sunday 12 years ago. We had the service right here. <laughs> our first service, I was preaching to, well, just a couple of rows here. Not as many as here tonight. But I can remember when we stepped out how the Lord had prepared me for that journey. You know, I had a, a, an old friend who called me when he heard that, that I had retired from the family business and was pursuing ministry. He's, a, he's an assisting pastor for a Calvary Chapel down in Orange County. We've been friends for many, many years. And he said, hey, Richard, I, and we hadn't talked in a long time. He said, you know, the Lord put you on my heart. And he said, I don't know why. I heard that, you know, you were stepping out in ministry and, and the Lord put this, this verse immediately came to my heart and I wanted to share it with you. Luke nine sixty two. Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And he said, Richard, I don't know what to say other than don't look back. God has called you to this. This is what he's destined for you. There's nothing for you behind you anymore. You're, God, that season is over. That chapter has closed. You need to press forward. And let me tell you, ministry has challenges, right? It's not just ministry. Business had challenges too. All of our lives face challenges. But I can say that what God worked in me through that process of, of really longing for ministry and having no way to see it come to, to pass, that when God finally did bring it, I, I tell you, my heart has never been tempted to look back. There's been challenging seasons, difficult times, difficult trials in ministry, but, but God, God fixed me for that. He cured me of, well, maybe I should go back. There was no going back. God, I, I, remember, I remember standing in those RVs and crying my eyes out to the Lord. I don't want to go back. No, Lord, you readied my heart 
for the journey ahead in ministry than the trials and the difficulties that it brings. And yet, you know, there is this confidence that this is what God had. This is what God has been preparing for me. I can't look back. I don't want to look back. I want to go forward in what God has. And God has done so much miraculous things that I could have never dreamed, never imagined, but God by his grace. And yet that season of preparation, hard as it was, I'm so grateful for that foundation. I'm so grateful that the Lord tempered my heart, making it ready for the work that he called me to. And that's not just me. It's not just Hannah. I'm sharing this for your heart tonight. God is working in your life tonight. God has things he's doing and preparing you for. It may be in ministry. It may be in mission work. It may be in family. It may be in business. It may be in serving in some capacity that you haven't even completely realized yet. But God wants to use our lives for his glory. You're invited into this, his story to be that heart that is available to him. His eyes are looking to and fro across the earth for those hearts that are loyal and perfect for him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to close in a song of worship. But as they come, I guess I just want to ask you tonight, do you believe the Lord is preparing you for something? Do you believe that God is is working right now getting you ready for what's next because God wants to bring fruitfulness in the future. And that may be the, the one piece of the, of the puzzle that you don't completely understand right now. In other words, what you're going through, it just doesn't make any sense unless, unless it has some piece, some part to play in the future that God is preparing me for. And I, I would say that that's pro, that may exact, be exactly what the Lord is readying you for. And you can't see it, so it's hard to endure it. You can't know, you don't know, you don't have all the answers, so you can't put it all together yet. But you've got to trust him and pour that out to the Lord and say, God, whatever you're doing now, I give it to you because I'm giving you what you're going to do with my future. My future is yours. It may be tonight that you simply need to pour your soul out to the Lord. You may be going through something completely just confusing to you. And God, his word to you tonight is, trust me. Trust me, what I'm doing now is going to be of great value for what I'm bringing you to in the next chapter, the next season. Don't you know God has a chapter? He's already got it written. He's already prepared the good works for you and I to walk in before the foundation of the world. He's not making this up as he goes. God knows what he's doing, and he's bringing you towards this this masterpiece, this work of your life. He's the potter. You're the clay. He's doing something beautiful. And wants to be glorified through your life. And it's the best life you can live. It's the best possible use of your life. Is to give it to him. Why don't you stand with me tonight. I'd like the worship team to just kind of lead us in a chorus of worship. And I want to, I want to have an altar call out here in the park.
If you're here tonight and you simply need to pour your heart out to the Lord, then I would invite you to come. And as the worship team sings, we'll gather, and then I'll close us in a word of prayer. You're going through something. You can't make full sense of it. Could it be that God is preparing you for something and you simply need to surrender that to him? If that's where you are tonight, you need to pour your heart out to God, just as Hannah did in the house of God many, many years ago. So we'll do it here in God's house in the park. Pour our heart out to him. Come as we sing, and then we'll close in prayer. God bless you. Those of you that have come, I want to pray for you. Just as we're singing, I just feel like there's maybe more that need to come. And I think that some of you are afraid to come. And it may be, and I can relate to this, it may be that you're afraid to come because you don't want to acknowledge, even in your own heart, that God is trying to birth something in faith and hope in your life. Maybe you've been waiting a long time. You've given up hope, and you don't want even the pain of resurrecting it in your heart. God's calling you. God wants you to come and pour your heart out, even that heart, even a broken heart, even a heart that feels as though this, this can never happen. And you don't, you're afraid to come because you don't want to start thinking about it again, and you've just about got it kind of settled, and you don't want to start hoping again. Oh, God is a God of hope and faith, love. Come. Let's sing the chorus one more time. And if you need to come, just come. It's between you and the Lord. But let's, let's meet him here tonight and let's pour our hearts out to him. So when Hannah poured her heart out, she completely surrendered her future. And it may be tonight that that's, that's what God is asking of you tonight. Sometimes we desire the Lord to work, the Lord to do something, but it, it's, it's for our desired future. And God had to get Hannah's mind off of her vision of family and future for her children and really surrendered to his plan and future. And that, of course, became just the opening of her womb for many children. God gave her all that blessing of family and beyond what she even imagined. But first, her heart had to be put in that place. So tonight, we're going to pray. I'm going to lead you in prayer, pray for you if I can, and just hopefully touch something of what's going on in your own heart. But I encourage you to, to surrender this to the Lord. That's what Hannah did. Lord, Whatever this is that I'm longing for, I'm giving it to you and I'm entrusting it to you. Lord, if this should come to pass as my heart is longing and desiring, God, it is from you and it is only, only for you. Not for me. Not for me to fulfill my agenda, but God, for you. And God, if it's not of you, if it's not for you, then Lord, redirect our hearts. But let me just pray. Anybody else need to come before we pray? I think we've got a good group here. God bless you. All right. So let me pray, but you 
you pour your heart out. Pour your heart out to the Lord. Just pour it out to the Lord. Lord, we come tonight. Lord, here we are, just this little night in the park. And yet, God, there is such deep things in our souls tonight. Deep in our hearts tonight, God, there, is, there are longings. There are wounds. There are hurts. There are fears. God, some things maybe we've never even spoken aloud to others, but tonight we pour it out to you. And we take all of that anguish, we take all of that, that, that hurt, all of that despair, all of that worry, all of that confusion, and we pour it out to you, Lord, tonight. And we, we just give it to you, God. You love us. Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you, and I surrender these things to you. And God, in every heart tonight, there is something. There may be several things, but Lord, there are things that each heart is considering tonight. And Lord, I pray that they would simply lay that at the altar, that they would cast their care onto you, that they would say, God, you control this. I'm surrendering it to you. And God, may you solve it. May you answer it. God, may you bring to pass this longing in the hearts of your people. And may it be for you. We give it back to you, Lord. Surrendered, dedicated to you and you alone. Lord, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our future. And even now, we surrender this present time for your gracious hand to prepare us for those things you're bringing into our lives. We give it to you now with faith and hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.